Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 310 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Ashley Jones. Ashley lives in Orlando, Florida, where she is an outpatient oncology nurse who guides patients through the process from diagnosis through treatment and beyond. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you. Excited to be here. A little nervous. Oh, don't be nervous at all. We're just look, I'm having my coffee. You see it right here. I got, got my black coffee. It's <laughs> yeah. it's nine in the morning, so I definitely am still drinking my coffee. It's like going to regular work today, getting up and coming over here at nine. Although that sounds a little sad because I used to go to work at like seven forty-five. So <laughs> being sad to go to work at nine is is kind of crazy. So you were telling me your work, you work with patients all the way through the process and help them navigate the system. 
Exactly. Yeah. And kind of help reduce barriers that might prevent patients from getting the care that they need. It sounds like a very important job. So thank you for doing that work. Oh, of course. It's very, I love it. I found a love for oncology. All of my experience was critical care and pediatric critical care. I took a job in outpatient oncology for the schedule for my kids, and I have just found a passion for it. So, Oh, I love that. Isn't it funny how we end up somewhere we're meant to be, even though we never planned to? Exactly. Well, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So I'll go back and do the long story, if that's okay. So I wasn't one of those who dieted throughout high school and most of college. I always kind of looked at, I remember in high school looking at other people and wishing I was a bit thinner, but I wasn't overweight by any means. And then in college, especially, I joined a sorority and I remember it bothering me then because we all wear the same outfits a lot of the time. And we did so not was, used to do that, by the way, back in the day. We just wore, <laughs> I mean, sometimes we did, like if it was a toga party, but we might like all show up in a white dress, but they didn't have to be exactly the same. Now it's oh, like, no. the, yeah. it's a production. (laughs) Exactly. We all wore the same t-shirt or the same dress to everything. And so it's impossible not to compare the way your body looks in that exact same outfit to everybody else's. So I remember it bothered me then, but I still never dieted or anything like that. I maybe went to the gym a couple of times and then decided that wasn't for me. But, and then when I was 20 years old, my mom passed away really suddenly and unexpectedly. Thanks. So at that point, really my weight started to take off from there. I don't know what my initial weight was, but I know I gained about 50 pounds from kind of where I had hung out within a year because we just spent a lot of time eating out. That was just kind of like something that I liked doing that my roommates, my friends liked doing. So we just ate out all the time and ended up putting on about 50 pounds. And I was 20 at the time when she passed away. And so now it was a year later, I was 21 and we had a friend of ours that told us about Fentermine and that she was taking Fentermine and how well it was working. Yeah. What around, around what year was that? It was 2010 when we heard okay. about Fentermine. That's so funny because that was I, was, I asked because that I started with Fentermine around, it was either 2003 or 2004. So, but that was, you know, a friend told me about it and it was working. She had already lost 30 something pounds. She got it from her doctor. I'm like, who is your doctor? I'm calling, <laughs> calling him up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I Googled, I lived in Dallas at the time. That's where I'm from originally. And so I Googled, you know, like doctors in Dallas that'll give you Fentermine and found one whose practice seemed to exist for the sole purpose of prescribing Fentermine. And he was willing to give it to 21 year old me. And honestly, I didn't have a bad relationship with it at all. It actually helped me a lot because I found out later in life that I actually have ADHD. And so at that point, I had untreated ADHD, which the fentermine was then treating because it's an It made your brain well. feel great, right? Exactly. I felt amazing on Me it. too. Look, I, I also believe that I have ADHD. Going through school, I went through elementary school in the 70s and was all over the place all the time. I was just wild. But, you know, they weren't diagnosing little girls with ADHD back in the 70s. They just tried to keep me busy. But I'm the kind of person that caffeine calms me and Benadryl keeps me awake. Does Benadryl keep you awake? It doesn't keep me awake, but it doesn't put me to sleep at all. It like, I wish that I could take a Benadryl and go to sleep when yeah. I'm miserable. The ADHD brain, that seems to be very common. Benadryl does not put you to sleep. I actually remember, now that you said that, when I would take a phenomene, and I'm not recommending phenomene, everybody. Do not take <laughs> But I remember feeling it, like, washed over my brain is all I can really explain. Like, it washed over my brain and made me feel invincible. 
it's probably not a good thing, but <laughs> I just felt so productive. Like aside from the fact that I wasn't hungry, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like a productive member of society now. And you know, now in hindsight, I'm properly medicated for ADHD. And now I realize why it affected me that way. And I had a friend who was taking it with me and she hated some of the side effects of it, like the dry mouth and being awake all night. And I'm like, I just feel amazing. I don't know. <laughs> but with the fentamine, I lost 50 pounds from October until March. So fairly quickly. And then I was kind of on and off of it for years after that. Like I didn't consistently do it, but I didn't really gain back all the weight and then some quickly, like a lot of people have issue with. I think I did a decent job. I started nursing school later that same year. And so throughout nursing school, I gained back probably five or 10 pounds immediately because that's just water weight from taking the medication. But then after that, I think I stayed within a decent range. So I got down to 145. I'm 5'7". So I was 195, got down to 145 with the fentamine, probably popped right back up to the low 150s once I stopped taking it. And then I stayed like 150s. 160s for the next couple of years. Graduated from nursing school, met my now husband, and we dated long distance for a year because he lived in Florida. That's how I ended up out here. And so during that time, I was probably slowly gaining, but I just wasn't really worried about my weight. I was just enjoying life, eating. I wasn't dieting still, just eating whatever felt good, which and I you don't were eat. young, right? You were still <laughs> yeah, very exactly. young. And I think that has a lot to do with it because I could, I didn't bounce back quite as well as I got old. You know, after I went at my fentermine experience, I'd already had my kids and my body just went, never mind. <laughs> yeah. And that was honestly the first time I'd ever dieted in my life. So I don't think I had a ruined metabolism quite yet. And I realized now in hindsight, I was actually fasting with it. So the way that the physician told us, because my friend and I both went to the same physician, he told us to eat nothing for breakfast and then eat a lean cuisine for lunch and a lean cuisine for dinner. <laughs> oh, wow. That's hilarious. See, I didn't, I wasn't doing that. I was still, that also may have made a difference. Yeah. So I was pretty much doing like a, a 16, eight at least. Yeah. yeah. So probably that helped, you know, with what you were doing, like I would still wake up and like eat a few mouthfuls of breakfast or whatever, because I mean, I wasn't really hungry. That's what the phenomenon did. It like killed your appetite, but I felt like I should try to eat something. Yeah. So he told us like set an alarm in your phone or you'll forget to eat. But I just felt like breakfast was like not that important. So I was like, well, I'll just set an alarm for lunch and dinner. And so that's what I did. And obviously it worked really well because I was eating less than 1200 calories a day, but I was doing it in a short window. So maybe that is what I bet it my did. I bet it helped. Cause I, like I said, I was not, but I would like, I remember I would get to the, I was counting calories too, I think at that point with my fentermine, but I would get to the end of the day and be like, I've only had 400 calories all day, but I had been like nursing those calories all day. Yeah. So. Yeah. So then when I was about 25, I think we started trying to have a baby. And at that point, my weight was creeping up more and more. So now I'm eating three meals a day and I'm eating whatever I want. And we eat out a lot. And you really like hit home when you said, you know, you were like the fast food queen and would go to two different fast food restaurants on your way to work. That was absolutely me. I couldn't get up early to be anywhere, but I could get up early to get Chick-fil-A before being at my 6.45 a.m. shift at the hospital in the completely opposite directions. So I ate tons of fast food, like fast food for lunch every single day. Uh, you know, I was just not eating well at all. So surprisingly, I didn't just blow up completely, but I did get to like the mid 170s at that point. So which wasn't huge on my frame at all, but it was, I felt pudgy or chubby, if you will. And we were trying to get pregnant. And so we tried for 21 months and I had one chemical pregnancy, but otherwise we weren't able to get pregnant. We started working with fertility doctors and I was told I would never get pregnant on my own. It was unexplained. They had no reason for it, but give 
given the history, he didn't think that I was going to get pregnant on my own again. And so we decided to try IUI and we were going to skip a month and not try anything and then do IUI starting in November. And at that time I was kind of I don't know, had like a, just an epiphany. Like there's multiple things in my life that I'm just not happy with the way they're going. And I can't fix anything about this fertility one. So let me focus on some of the other things. And so I don't remember what the other ones were, except for I know one of them was my weight. And I wish that I was in better shape. I kind of let myself gain back these 25 pounds. And, and so I was like, I'm just going to do what now I know is keto, but back then it wasn't a thing. And so I just said, I'm going to cut out like all white things, like no sugar, no bread, no rice, no pasta, everything white. I'm just not going to eat those things. And I did that for about a month. I lost 10 pounds and I got pregnant on my own. Oh, well, (laughs) so I wonder if you had like, like I would bet your insulin levels were high. I wonder if you had PCOS. So I had multiple tests done and they didn't find PCOS. I definitely have had like sporadic cysts here and there throughout my adulthood, but I did all kinds of fertility testing and ultrasounds and yes, and they didn't find it. But insulin resistance obviously sounds like it was the issue there because one month of low carb and so I'm magically pregnant after almost two years of trying. Yeah. When and I talked so- to Dr. Cicely Ganhart back in, gosh, I think I talked to her in 2017. No, no, 2018. I didn't start this podcast until 2018. It was the first year of the podcast podcast. She's an OBGYN and she works with a lot of people obviously through their fertility journey and she uses a combination of intermittent fasting and also low carb for the people who need that and and she finds that really helps with the fertility if, if insulin resistance is part of the problem. So it sounds like it was. Yeah, it seemed like it. So we were waiting because when you do IUI, you have to get a sonogram to check for cysts actually on the first day of your cycle to make sure that you don't have any cysts because if you do, you take fertility meds, it'll make those cysts grow. And so that's kind of the first step is to have that sonogram on the first day of your cycle. So I'm waiting, 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 waiting. And we were actually on vacation, but we were just an hour away on the West Coast. So I was just going to drive back over, get the sonogram and we know whenever my period started and it never did. And so as soon as we walked in the door from the vacation, my husband's still carrying in suitcases and I came out crying and he thought I had forgotten something at the hotel and I was like no I'm pregnant on my own like my <laughs> yay <laughs> so it was awesome. so ex- what a great moment yeah so we had our first baby in 2016 in the spring and then after that I obviously I so I gained I think 50 pounds I want to say with that first pregnancy no, it's four. It would be forty. So I Did went from one sixty five. Like you ate all the foods. While yeah, pregnant. I added back all foods. Although my doctor at one point told me to be low carb because I was gaining quickly, and my I was just I just carried very big. Like all of my weight was in my belly. I think you couldn't tell I was pregnant from behind, but my belly that was, was just me huge. With my first baby, first <laughs> baby, just, belly, second baby. Yeah everywhere. (laughs) I was just measuring really far ahead. And so he told me to be low carb at one point, but I think it only lasted for like a day. But so I gained 40 pounds. So I went from 165 to 205 at delivery. And then once I had him maybe like 10 or 15 of that, and he was a big baby, he was nearly nine pounds, he was 813. But once I had him like nearly none of that weight came off. And so I still kind of hung out like in the 180s, maybe one high 170s, like on a good day. And I was breastfeeding him. I breastfed him for almost two and a half years. And so in the beginning, I didn't really do anything to lose weight. And then in May of the following year, so he was about to be one, I found the Whole30 program. And I thought like, oh, this is going to like be what changes my life. And it's going to be so amazing. And 
I'm not one of those people like you talk about that just decides on a diet and then just does it. I had to try the whole 30 a hundred times before I actually made it through one. And even when I did, when I finally did make it through, it wasn't even a true whole 30 because I added oatmeal because my supply was suffering. But I was like, I'm only eating healthy foods. How can this not be? But because when you stop eating carbs so suddenly, you know, you lose a lot of water. And so if I had hydrated better and used electrolytes, I maybe could have done that instead of the oatmeal in hindsight. But anyways, I did a whole 30 plus oatmeal and I lost about I think 12 pounds during that whole 30. And I felt like, oh, this has changed my whole life. I'm going to do this forever. It's so amazing. But then we went on vacation right after I finished. And so everything just kind of crept back in because it's it's impossible to eat out every meal and stick to. It's not meant to be a long-term thing. And it's really difficult to make it a long-term thing. And it so, really, really is. Eating out, that was what did it for me. And I loved my whole food plant-based experiment. I felt amazing when I did it this fall. But it was at a restaurant, and I'm like, this is crappy. I hate this. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard when they don't have good options for you, and then you're like, I don't want dry lettuce. No, <laughs> I chose – you know, I was doing whole food-ish, plant-based, and I chose a – I mean, just because I really wanted to try it, I choose one of those impossible burgers because I was like, well, technically this is vegan or whatever. I don't know. I wasn't calling myself vegan, but while I was eating it, I was like, this is so processed and disgusting. I would have been better off to have beef. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That was the end of it. Real food for the win. So it is It is just really, really hard to have a restricted. And I, I never want to be restricted. I just don't. I like all the foods. They go together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But so then right after that, we decided we were living in South Florida. We didn't want to raise our son in South Florida. And so we were kind of always looking for like the next place we wanted to try. My husband is retired. He was in law enforcement, so they get to retire early. So he was retired and I could do anything as a nurse. So we decided that I would take a travel nursing job and kind of the first thing that came up was Tennessee, which was always on our radar. So we moved to Tennessee with me doing this travel nursing job. And that was right after I finished the whole 30. So I put back on all the weight I had lost and then some, and I got up to like 185 pounds. Oh, wow. And that, that sounds point. like a really hard job with a little one at home. Well, I mean, I was already working 12 hour shifts for the most part. I was just working per diem. So it'd kind of work whenever I wanted. So doing the travel nursing, we all went, obviously. Oh, and so your husband there. was able to be there. And yes. That yes. So we all moved to Tennessee. We kind of just like used it as an excuse to move and see if we liked it there because we kind of had like the whole country or world really to decide now where we wanted to live. And so we moved there with me doing the travel nurse position. And it was difficult though, because they were not as nice with scheduling. So there would be times when I wouldn't see my son for like four days in a row because I was working day shift and he was already 18, 19 months old, but I was still pumping because I was like, if I don't see my baby for four days, then I'm not going to have any supply, you know? So I had to keep pumping. And, but so I gained a lot of weight then we were eating a lot of fast food. We were in a small town in Tennessee and like fast food and chain food was like King there. And we really bought into it and we're eating tons of terrible food. And so that was when I really heard about keto and decided to try it. So I did that for several months. I lost about 17 pounds, but my body changed a lot. Like looking back at pictures, I looked very slim in pictures, even though I felt like I had more to lose than just 17 pounds. And I was doing intermittent fasting with it. And I was mostly fasting clean because I'm not a coffee drinker. So I never did the bulletproof coffee. So I think the only thing that I might have had during my fast 
would be like electrolytes that were sweetened with like stevia or something. But but otherwise, I think I was mostly fasting clean. And I remember I did my first 24-hour fast on my little boy's second birthday party. So we had a big party. We went back down to Florida to have a big party with all of our friends. And I was just so busy. And so I did a 24-hour fast without even realizing it and was like just felt so powerful and so good. And everybody was commenting on how much weight I'd lost. And then I was eating low carb and now I was fasting and we got pregnant again that week during the week of his birthday trip. So (laughs) (laughs) your body just loves that. Your body loves it. Yeah. And so had my second baby in February of 2019, decided I would do keto again to lose the baby weight. This time I gained less. This time I gained about 30 pounds. I was 195 because I was right about the same starting weight again, 165. I got up to 195 and I was thought, okay, I'll just do keto again to lose the weight. I know it works well for me. Well, my baby had a milk protein intolerance. And so I was breastfeeding him as well. And now I couldn't have any dairy. And dairy-free keto is basically just vegetables and meat. And those were not any of the things that I liked about keto, you know, like I needed the dairy to make that. Yeah, I was a very dairy heavy keto during the time. That also explains why I never lost any weight. Yeah, I know. I was like, I can eat all the cheese I want. All right. I love cheese. Exactly. Like, so if I was doing high fat, really all my fat was coming from dairy. And so I just didn't know how to do keto without dairy. And so, but I was desperate to lose weight again. And so I tried Weight Watchers because that's safe to do while breastfeeding. And I did lose a lot of weight because we were still living in Tennessee at this point. We had decided we didn't want to stay there long term, but since I got pregnant, we stayed, had the baby. And then when he was a couple months old, we decided to move back to Florida. And that's how we ended up in Orlando. But so I did great with Weight Watchers for those few months because we were in Tennessee where there is not Uber Eats. And we were kind of out in the country a little bit. It was hard. You know, we would go grocery shopping and then we would eat the food that we bought. And because I was being very strict with dairy-free, it was harder for me to eat out, especially in Tennessee where dairy allergy free menus is hard. are like yes. not a thing. It is hard to eat out around here dairy-free. I learned that. Yeah, like you're the best bets are like going to, believe it or not, like Mexican food. You could just order that with no cheese. <laughs> yeah. We, at one point, I was actually dairy and soy free, and we went to Cracker Barrel, and there wasn't a single thing on the menu that they made without dairy or soy. I was like, I just can't even eat here. <laughs> so once we moved to Orlando, though, it's much more allergy friendly, and so I could eat basically anywhere I wanted. Disney, we live literally right next to Disney. We can see the fireworks from our house every night. Oh, my and God, so, that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool for our kids, I think. But so Disney is amazing with allergies, and so I could eat literally anything. They would just make me something special if they didn't have anything dairy-free on the menu that I wanted at restaurants there. And so so I quickly gained everything back that I had lost and got back up into the 180s again and was kind of, I think I was in a Facebook group of women that were just trying to lose weight after children, not in any particular way. And someone had mentioned your group, the Delay Don't Deny original group from back in the day, the really big one. And so I joined it, but I didn't start fasting. But a few of these groups girls from this group were like, let's start an accountability like chat. And so we had like a little Facebook chat where we'd keep people accountable. And I was trying to do keto again, because now at this point, my baby was older, and he could have dairy again. So I had added dairy back already. And so I was like, I'm doing keto. But these other girls were just doing fasting, like the delay don't deny way and weren't altering what they were eating at all. So we had that little accountability chat. I don't think I stuck to keto. I didn't lose any significant weight that kind of went by the wayside. And that was fall of 2019. And so now it was the beginning of 2020. None of us knew what was coming. And my youngest's birthday is in February and he was turning one in 2020. So we went to like a breakfast with Mickey with some friends one of the first weeks in February. And they take pictures of you, you know, Disney does, and then they get uploaded to your phone. And so 
they took pictures of our whole party. And then I looked on my phone and I was like, who is that person in the pictures? Because that is not what my face looks like. Like, how do I look like that? I just couldn't believe it. And that's still the picture that I used to compare because I just could not believe that that was the way that I looked. I don't know. It just kind of sparked something in my brain. I'm like, let me go back to that delay, don't deny group and try that. And so on February 14th of 2020 was the day that I started and just started with 16.8, really easy. And I was still eating anything that I wanted. And at the time I was just, I went back to work after my baby was born, but then we, my husband was being a stay at home dad. It wasn't really his thing with two kids, a three-year-old an infant. So then I left work to stay home with the baby for a little bit longer. And so I was just watching my baby and another one that was the same age during the day. And so I would take the babies out to lunch and I would eat whatever food that I wanted each day, but I could still see my body changing. I didn't own a scale, so I didn't know how much weight I had lost, but I was just, I was definitely changing. You know, my face was looking nothing like that picture anymore. And so I did that for several months. The pandemic happened. My three-year-old's preschool got canceled. And then my I stopped watching the other baby because that mom lost her job as everybody, everything really happened. So I kept doing it through the pandemic. And then at that point, we were renting in Orlando. We had been here about a year and we bought a home and we moved into our home in May of that year. Luckily, we bought it days after the lockdown. So we got a good deal on it. Now, you know, home prices have skyrocketed, but we moved in in May. And then I guess with just moving or something, I just kind of got lazy with the fasting and I just stopped doing it. I knew it worked for me. Like you say, I knew it was going to be the thing that worked for me, but I just got lazy with it and stopped doing it. And so the end of June going into July, I was like, okay, I need to get back to doing this. And at that time, I think I made an Instagram account so that I could like document my journey and use it for accountability. Like if I tell these 10 people here that follow me that I'm going to do something, then maybe I'll actually do it. (laughs) Well, you know what? You're right. If I tell people I'm doing something, then I'm more likely to do it right? For accountability. The problem though, was that at that point, for some reason, I got it into my head that I needed to combine fasting with something else. Like, oh, it'll work so much better if I intermittent fast and do keto or I intermittent fast and do whatever other thing. So I kind of cycled through from like the end of summer until April of the following year, like 10 different diets, signed up for Weight Watchers again, tried a whole 30 several times, tried gluten-free and tried sugar-free, tried dairy-free again, because I was like, oh, well, it seemed to work, you know, those months that I did it when I was, after I had the baby, tried so many things, and I just couldn't stick to any of it, obviously. I'm just not someone that, you know, I just couldn't stick to a diet long-term. I think I probably have binge eating disorder because it would always be, okay, I'm going to do keto, and then I would do it for three weeks, and then I would get off track, and then just eat all the things that I missed for a week. Did you find that to be true no matter what you restricted, or was it more likely after you restricted carbs? It was no matter what I restricted. Okay, okay. Like any feeling of restriction would always end in a binge in the end. Like I could, you know, I could stick to it for weeks or maybe a month, but then as soon as I like messed it up, you know, and went off track one time, and I could even tell myself like, oh, this is an event or this is a birthday or something. I'm just going to have something just today and then I'll go back to it tomorrow. No, then I would be like, well, I'm already off track, so let me eat everything I missed for a week. That's how I felt when I was doing, whenever I would do low carb, because this is well before intermittent fasting. So I've never done low carb since intermittent fasting. I never combined the two, but prior to intermittent fasting sticking that 2014, 2015 time, I would try it in all the different forms, whether it was Atkins or whether it was officially keto in 2014 or the Suzanne Summers plan when you were like eating either low carb or it kept your food separate or whatever it was. Whenever I would reintroduce carbs, I would like dive headfirst into them. Like my brain was like, bring on the carbs, you know? (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, I, I've never tried like plant-based. So maybe every single time I was restricting, I can't think of a time when I've restricted anything that wasn't carbs because even if it was gluten and I was allowed to have carbs that were non-gluten, I still would just binge on the gluten carbs. You know? Or if it was sugar and I was allowed to have bread and pasta and everything else, then I would just binge on sugary things. You know, I did not do that. When I stopped whole food plant-based, I slowly reintroduced dairy and well I think I think well I don't know that it was slowly but I didn't go back to the maybe the extent that I was eating it before but I definitely didn't binge on it so that was interesting yeah I was just like stuck in this cycle and then I would blame fasting each time and be like this isn't working for me now even though obviously what wasn't working was the restricting and binging cycle that I was stuck in and so in the spring of 2021 I found the book Breaking Free from emotional eating, which it was previously titled Breaking Free from Compulsive Eating, and it's by Janine Roth. And the compulsive eating title really stuck to me more than emotional eating. So I'd like to mention so the that. New, the new title is? Is emotional eating, Breaking Free from Emotional Eating. I don't know why she retitled it, but when it was originally published, which is the one I have because I have like an old copy paperback that I ordered on Amazon, it's Breaking Free from Compulsive Eating. And so that really spoke to me because that's exactly what I felt like I was doing, eating even though I wasn't hungry, eating though it was making me miserable. So I read her book and it's definitely not pro-fasting, but I just took from it what I would like to take from it, which was basically just that the way that she healed her binge eating was to never restrict anything again. So I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just not going to restrict anymore. Like that's what I was doing last spring and it was working just fine. I don't know why I thought that I needed to do this. And then I also reread Delay, Don't Deny at that point. And I think that each time I reread it, I find things that I didn't notice the first time or maybe didn't want to hear the first time. Like that entire time I was trying to fast, I was never doing one meal a day. I was always doing two meals. No matter how small my window was, I was going to squeeze two meals into it. And so then I read Delay Don't Deny again and I saw that you said you would do 19.5, but if you tried to squeeze two meals into five hours, then you weren't going to lose. And I was like, oh, that's exactly what I've been doing for the last year. So maybe that has something to do with it too. And I mean, so- that was literally why I started my first Facebook group was that issue right there. It was back in the day when I was in Dr. Bert Hearing's Facebook group and I was doing great and I'd already lost the weight, I guess, at this point. Yep, yep, because it was the fall. It was August of 2015. And I was trying to help somebody who was struggling. And that's what I do. I'm a teacher and it was in his group. And I had just recently reread his book, The Fast Five Diet. And he says in there multiple times, you're only eating one meal. I mean, he says that. And I actually just reread that book again recently. Chad was at a nursery taking forever and I was sitting in the car. So I pulled out my phone and said, what do I have on my phone that's been there for a long time? And so I like literally was able to skim through the entire Fast Five books. I had the PDF on my phone the whole time while I was waiting for Chad. And that that's such a great little book. But he more than one time says you're only eating one meal. And so I can remember being in that Fast Five group and telling someone, you know, he says, you're only eating one meal. And they argued with me. And they're like, you can eat whatever you want in the five hours. doesn't matter as long as it's under five. And I'm like, okay, thank you. And then <laughs> the next day, I think I started the one meal a day IF group because it just suddenly was like, bam, to me. We're not trying to fit as much food as we can in five hours. That's yeah. not the goal. <laughs> exactly. And I don't think I would like eat continuously through the five hours, but I definitely would always squeeze two meals into it. And yeah. Well, you know, you and I, we're like the queens of making it work, right? You tell me I can eat whatever I want in five hours and I can, okie dokie, right? But 
<laughs> two full restaurant meals I would try to fit in there, I think. Exactly. That's pretty much exactly what I was doing. So May of 2021, I was like, okay, I'm going to give both of these things a try together. I'm going to do one meal a day and I'm going to not restrict anything anymore. So I don't have to worry about this binge and restrict one cycle. One actual that I'm meal, on. but but not in a tiny little window. So mine wasn't a pretty small window because I did my meal at work but I wouldn't do it every day. And so I set out to do it every day. I'm like, I'm going to just eat one meal every single day. But a lot of days I couldn't do it because it didn't fit with my schedule because I wanted two meals that day. I was just extra hungry. And so after about a month of doing it, I realized like I'm only getting one true one hour window, like three to five days a week. But look, I just lost, I lost 10 pounds this month or whatever it was. And so I'm like, so it's working. So let me just keep doing that. And so you I were did doing what I'm now hybrid. calling downish uppish. This is new terminology, downish uppish. You know, we talk about up days, down days, where, you know, the down days are a full fast of like 36 hours, or you can do the 500 calorie, very small meal. And then an up day is at least two meals, three is okay. And you need to eat at least in six to eight hours, but all day is fine. But downish uppish is really what, like what you're describing, really like one hour window one day, and then maybe a six hour window the next day with two meals in it. So that downish, uppish. Yep, that's exactly what I was doing. So I would try to get at least three OMAD days a week, four if I could do it. Very rarely did I get five. And those were my window was definitely less than an hour because I would eat at work usually. So I would eat from the hospital cafeteria. So I was eating anything that I wanted. We have pretty decent food. So sushi, tacos, pizza, Downish because it was in an hour. Yeah. And so I was eating that in less than an hour during my lunch break. And then I wouldn't eat the rest of the day. And then three or four days a week, I would eat in a six or eight hour window. And so I did that from May until November. And I lost 30 pounds during that time. So I got down to like the low 150s and was feeling great, had lots of non-scale victories. I had plantar fasciitis that was just debilitating and it just disappeared completely the first month of fasting. So if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's when you wake up in the morning and you feel like you can't walk around barefoot because your heels just hurt so badly. And I couldn't wear flat shoes. Now I can wear the flattest shoes and walk around Disney all the time and be perfectly fine without heel pain. So that kind of completely disappeared. I had one spot of psoriasis on my ankle, which, and I always expected that I would get more. My grandfather had psoriasis. And once I saw that one spot pop up, I just kind of expected that. I would get more. And once I started fasting, that spot disappeared and I've never had any issues since. I just have a scar there and that's it. All those issues that I thought I had with food, that's why I was like, let me eliminate gluten. Let me eliminate dairy. I was thinking all that time that I had issues with food. I think all that time my issue was really just overeating because doing one meal a day, I can eat anything that I want and I wouldn't have any trouble at all. So I was just doing fantastic and felt really great. Lost a lot of weight that year. The holidays came and I went more to like two meals every day. And then in the beginning of 2022, somehow I got back in that other mindset and was like, oh, I need to cut gluten. I need to cut dairy. I need to do a it's whole It's that 30. diet brain. Yes. It, it just, especially after the holidays, yeah, right? It really got me again. And I spent months, again, fasting plus eliminating and losing and gaining back the weight over and over again. And then I finally snapped myself out of that, but I kind of accidentally went into maintenance, I think. Like I never got back to my three to five OMADs a week, even all throughout 2022. 
and now the beginning of this year. And I actually, I rescheduled this interview with you a couple of times because it was originally scheduled in January and January came and I just felt very unsuccessful. And like, I didn't have anything good to talk about because I still have maintained my loss within just a few pounds here and there. So I've still lost anywhere between like 27 and 30 pounds and have maintained that for a year, which is great. But because had you ever maintained it for a year before? No, never. Right. That's that's success. Yeah. So that is great. But it wasn't what I wanted to do because I still had more weight that I wanted to lose. And then at the beginning of this year, especially, even though my weight is still bouncing around that range, like my clothes are fitting tighter. I feel more inflamed. I just didn't feel successful at all. I definitely wasn't in the right mindset. So I pushed out our interview a couple of times. And honestly, this entire time, I've still tried to stick to that OMAD the majority of the week, but I just can't seem to do it. And one of the things I really struggled with was I always did OMAD as lunch and that worked really well for me. Then my husband really was like, I would like it if we could all eat dinner as a family instead of you just sitting and staring at us or drinking water during dinner. It really bothered him that I didn't eat with them. And so I tried to move it to dinner and that was really a challenge for me. But eventually I did it and I was able to move it to dinner, but it just didn't seem like it would stick. Like I could do it for several days or I could do it for several weeks and I'd be really successful, but it just never seemed to stick. And then once I tried to go back to lunch, I couldn't do lunch anymore because now I was what used you, to eating like, dinner. Seriously, downish, uppish. That's what I I would do. Every night you eat dinner with your family, every single night you're going to eat dinner with your family, but maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you don't eat lunch. Yeah. So I'll finish kind of the story because I, because I kind of have made dinner work now, but just recently, but so I posted in, there's a few like little offshoot groups, people that are delayed don't deny clean fasters. And then they have made a few little groups that kind of still go by your philosophies and things. And so I posted in a couple of those and I said, I feel like I'm like, the success story. And now I have a decent Instagram following on that Instagram that I made. I've actually coached some people last year. I started IF coaching. I coached several people until I got too busy because I'm, I'm going back to school now. But is your Instagram Ashley Fast? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen, I was like, I think this is Ashley Fast. I don't do spend much time on Instagram. I was just on there yesterday and I noticed I hadn't posted since October. Yes, that's anyway, me. But, but so, I thought so. So yeah, I'm like, I feel like people come to me for advice and I'm posting in this Facebook group and I'm successful, but I just don't feel successful at all because I can't seem to do what I want to do, which is lose a little bit more weight and feel comfortable in the clothes that I own now that are my what I consider to be my size, but now they're getting too tight. And so someone replied on one of those groups and I'll just read her reply. I wrote it down because it's so simple, but it just made all the difference. And she said, I realized I was in this perpetual cycle of viewing myself as someone without self-control. And I needed to view myself as someone who could do OMAD and someone who had excellent self-control. And she said she just started telling herself whenever she was tempted to eat, I fast until dinner. And so that was now a couple weeks ago. And so the first day, the day that I posted that I was just like, with everybody kind of pumping me up and commenting and everything, I easily fast until dinner that night just because, I don't know, just saying it out loud just made me feel like I could actually do it. And so I fasted easily until dinner that night. Then the next day is when she commented this and I read it. And it was a much harder day because I was working from home that day. I'm just next to the kitchen all day long and could easily eat. And I always just eat all day long when I work from home. And I was like, I'm going to try this. So first thing in the morning, I asked my husband, did he want to go with me to drop the boys off at school? And he's like, well, we can't go out to breakfast today because that's 
something that we do a lot. And I'm like, that's fine because I'm fasting until dinner. I just started using our little thing. And then we stopped by the grocery store on the way home to get some fresh bread. And he's like, do you want a piece of the fresh bread? Like, you know, the person would just give me one of the pieces as she's bagging it up. And I'm like, no, I'm fasting until dinner. And I just told myself that all day long. And it, I'm like, this is the simplest, silliest thing after a year and a half of trying to find something that works. But I feel like I found it. And so I used it for several days. I got back to fasting until like I make sure I don't open my window before 4 p.m. Sometimes it's gone even later than that. And now I've been doing it for about two weeks. I've been fasting until dinner every single day. See, that reminds me of the book Atomic Habits. Have you read I Atomic Habits? I think that's Habits? where she got it from. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> I, I suddenly knew that. But or my brain, my brain connected that because it, what we tell ourselves when you take on an identity – it becomes like not just what you do, it's who you are. I fast until dinner. I don't eat in the morning. I fast until dinner. I don't eat lunch. I fast until dinner, right? Yeah. It's so simple and it seems so silly that it's made such a difference, but it it's so powerful. Well, that's what I told myself when I was a teacher. I don't eat during the school day. Yeah. I don't eat at work. Yeah. And, you know, there'd be a rare occasion, like if the kids weren't there and it was a teacher work day, that was a different day. But if it was a regular school day and the kids were there, I don't eat at school. And it just was who I was and it was part of my identity. Yeah. So I feel like I, it hasn't been very long. And again, I was like, do I do the podcast? Do I talk of about how I'm do. struggling? Everybody, <laughs> listen, everybody who's listening right now, if you are signed up for the podcast and you're in a struggle phase, do not cancel. Do not. We learn more from our struggles than we do from our successes. And I am not saying that people who have great success should not be on the podcast, but we don't learn as much from someone who's like, I started fasting on day one. It was easy. And then I just did it and the weight fell off and I have no struggles and I like it. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. That's a nice story. It's inspiring, (laughs) but that is not the way most of our paths are. So if you're scheduled to be on the podcast (laughs) and you feel like you're stuck in a struggle moment, do not cancel. First of all, I'll coach you through it if I can, or I'll give you some advice. But second of all, that's what's real. If the only stories we put out there are success from day one, never struggling, then everybody who's real person, not that those people are not real people, you know what I mean, but everybody who's having the diet brain struggles and feeling like you're failing then they're like, well, no one's like me. I must be a loser. Wrong. Yeah. So I shared like my nervousness with a couple of people. And that's exactly what one of the people commented was. If everybody on there just went and said that they were perfect, then they're not going to relate to many of the people. Like so many more people will relate to the fact that you have struggled. But I listen to most of the podcasts and I know there's plenty of people on here that have struggled, but I always seem to like, it sticks with me. The ones that you're like, so is there anything you've struggled with? And they're like, no, not really. And I'm like, Uh, Like, (laughs) look, I still have struggle days. Yesterday was a struggle day. We all have our triggers, right? Things that, you know how people talk about being emotional eaters? And usually people that are emotional eaters, at least what I've found, it seems to be people who consider themselves to be emotional eaters or emotional when they have negative emotions, they eat to soothe their negative emotions. I think I'm an emotional eater who eats to celebrate. If I have a vacation feeling, like yesterday was the most perfect, beautiful day here. It's April. It was a springy day. The weather was perfect. Chad is doing something right now during the day. So he was working and I was home by myself. And I'm like, I could walk right down to this these little restaurants, right? Four blocks from my house. It was like, I don't know, like one o'clock. It's like I could have cocktails and open my window. I'm at the beach. 
Yeah. I just was feeling so celebratory. I'm like, no, I don't want to be drinking at one in the afternoon, but it felt like the thing to do. Like if you were on vacation. Yeah, right? exactly. So I did not. I waited <laughs> till probably 3.30, had my daily harvest bowl and <laughs> was no drinks, but I want to celebrate with food and cocktails because it just feels like a fun day. Not every day is a piece of cake. <laughs> yeah. So now I feel it hasn't been very long. I mean, I've been fasting this entire time, but obviously, because I've stayed in maintenance, but I had been sticking to more two meals a day the majority of the week. So now I feel like I'm kind of back on the right track. My clothes are fitting a little bit better. Definitely down like a lot of bloat so far. And so I don't know. I feel like now maybe I'm back to... <laughs> what I should be doing. And I just keep, and I don't really have to, I only had to tell myself that I fast until dinner for several days. And then now it's just what I do. I don't have to keep reminding myself. I just know that that's what I'm doing. And if I'm tempted with food or, you know, like I came into work on Friday and they were having a cookie party for someone at nine o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, those are my favorite cookies, but I'm fasting until dinner. But now if I were to come in and see cookies, I would just walk right past them because once you get into the routine, it's so much easier. It's just that first Well, that's why I had Ziploc baggies at work. (laughs) Yeah. Take the cookie home. Yeah, that's a good that's a good idea. But that's literally what I did. I delayed mm-hmm. whatever. If it looked like it was gonna be window worthy, I saved it to my window. But a cookie in the morning would never have made the day go well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so now I feel like it's going really well and I'm thankful for that person. And she did go on to say that she got those ideas from Atomic Habits, which I have listened to the beginning of Atomic Habits a couple times, but I've never finished out the whole book. I probably should listen to the whole thing. But I'm thankful for her coming and condensing it into one sentence that really spoke to me. Well, it's it's just, it's such a good book. And, you know, it's always on the New York Times bestseller list week after week after week. You know, when I was on there the, for two weeks in 2020, I was right next to Atomic Habits. When I was reading Atomic Habits on the beach, so it was really exciting. But that book just is always there. And so a book is not always on the New York Times bestseller list week after week if it's not a powerful book. Yeah. So it can really be applied to anything. But while I was sitting there reading it the first time, so much of it related to intermittent fasting. And so anybody, if you're struggling with making intermittent fasting into a lifestyle that sticks, then reading Atomic Habits and really thinking about that, how you you can change your, your inner voice, you can work on it as a habit, that really was transformational, I think, to change that thinking. So highly recommended. Yeah, for sure. And it's not just about fasting. It's about, like his idea of habit stacking, for example, is to put things next to, like, I want to be better at flossing my teeth. So I put my little flossing picks with my makeup basket. So I like to go out on the porch and put on my makeup outside, which might sound weird, but I like to do it. (laughs) (laughs) The light is better out there. So I'll go outside with my little, but there's my little flossing pick. And so I'm much more likely to do it. Yeah. Because it's just right there. I'm like tripping over them. Not really, but you know what I mean. So it's just little things like that. Get your baggies and put your cookies in them. That's just a little habit that you'll have, and it'll make it so much easier to not. Like for me, I'd be like tempted to throw caution to the winds. Everyone's eating cookies. Woo, let's have a No, (laughs) I'll save the cookie. Yeah. But yeah, so that was a very long answer to the first question. How I found it. Oh my gosh, I only asked asked you one question, and it's been 45 minutes. (laughs) 
No, that's how a good conversation goes. That's the, <laughs> that's the best part of it. But you knew that intermittent fasting was your answer. Exactly. Yeah, that spoke to me so much when you said that because I I spent three years knowing, you know, like this is my answer. Even after it worked and then stopped, then it didn't stop working. But then I stopped making it work for me. I still know that it will be something that I do forever. I don't want that heel pain to come back. So I'll, I'll keep doing it no matter what. Exactly. And keep fighting that diet brain. And what was interesting for me, like I said, when I did the whole food plant-based experiment, was the first time I ever changed how I was eating, not for the motivation to lose weight. So that actually, I think, was helpful. I had, you know, I was experimenting with how I felt and the foods and just curiosity about it. But, you know, it's okay to experiment with foods to find out what makes you feel better. But I think we need to ditch the magical weight loss dieting foods mindset. Yeah, for sure. Any restrictive diet, you're going to be able to probably lose weight on it. But unless you're just doing it because of the way it makes you feel, it's not going to be sustainable. Yeah. So uh, like I said, I coached probably about 30 people and then also some friends and then some coworkers as well in the last year or so. And intermittent fasting is hard when you're first starting and you're coming from lots of other diets and you want something that's going to work quickly. And they're like, well, maybe I should just do this. Or maybe I should just do a beef and butter fast for a little while. Or maybe I no, should... do not do a beef and <laughs> yeah, butter fast. Maybe, maybe I should cut out carbs. And I'm like, but do you want to cut out carbs for the rest of your life? Because if not, then don't do it. Because you don't do anything to lose weight you don't want to do to sustain it. Yes. That is 100% what I would like everyone to, to think about. Don't do anything to lose the weight that you don't want to do to maintain it. Because that's just it. Once you add back in whatever it was, the weight's not going to magically stay off. So do what makes you feel good and that you can sustain. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like intermittent fasting is sustainable and it is something that I'll keep doing forever, even having struggled with it for this past year. So I never wanted to stop doing it. I never wanted to give up. If I ever tried any diety things, it was going to be along with fasting. It was never going to be, I'm giving up on fasting because I truly does feel, and it was always like, well, maybe I can do this for a little while with fasting and then just fast alone once I lose the weight, but never do I plan on not fasting. It's just the only sustainable way to keep weight off, I think. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I want to just be very clear. I am not telling people not to choose a way of eating that they love. Like if someone feels great doing keto and they know they can do it long term and they want to because they feel so good, it makes them feel great. That is how they should eat, right? Or whole food plant-based. I think that if I had a personal chef. <laughs> I say that all the and, time. If, if everywhere else was I went, it was easy to find delicious whole food plant-based meals everywhere I turned. There, Like maybe if I lived in a town like L.A., I don't know. There's probably It's probably really easy to eat that way out there. But it's not easy to do that here. But if it were super easy, would I eat that way all the time? Maybe because I felt so good and the food was delicious. Yeah. But it's not easy for me. And I like all the foods. And so I'm going to eat the foods that I love. But you can do any style of eating that makes you feel great with intermittent fasting, but don't do anything that feels restrictive if it's hard. That's what's not going to last. So you share your story in your, in your daily life with people. You tell people about it. 
I do. Yeah. I mean, I have the Instagram, obviously. So I'm very, I share a lot more in stories than posting anything. But so I share a lot in stories about my fast or how it's working for me. I've shared my struggles on there, even though sometimes I don't even want to go on there and share because I just feel like a failure. But so many people over the years have messaged me and been like, thank you for sharing this part of it because that's what makes you relatable. And that's why I'm here is that I see that you're struggling, but you still have been successful. Or I see that you eat anything you want and you've made a way to be successful and that you're not someone who works out every day. And so I share on Instagram, I've shared with people at work and I have several people at work who are doing it along with me and several that have lost weight doing it, led lots of people to your book. A few people in my personal life, I feel like I wish that it could help people in my personal life more, but I haven't had a lot of success with people sticking to it when I'm sharing with people in my personal life, but maybe they're just not ready for it yet. And hopefully I planted that seed. Well, that's what I think. I think that's true. And the closer people are to us, sometimes the harder it can be (laughs) for them to like want to do what we're saying, especially if we've had a crazy diet history, then they're like really less likely to, you know, because they're like, I remember when you said Whole30 was the thing, Ashley. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) We had a a friend that came and stayed with, it was a friend's daughter, but she came and stayed with us because she was working at SeaWorld in their college program and she was wanting to lose weight. And so she was doing... It's like a diet where you buy all these little foods and you drink shakes and you only eat their foods and you literally only eat processed food all day long. And then you have like a lean and green meal for your dinner. Oh, I can't think of the name of it, but they it's have like, like really coaches, popular. Like everybody's a coach. Yeah. It's like and a so little you bit make of like money you know, by selling. Yes. This stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So I, it's like I, a, yep. a multi-level Multi-level, marketing. Yep. Yes, exactly. And you just eat processed food all day long and then you eat a lean and green meal. And I'm like, I promise you life would be so much easier if you just cut out all the junk and just ate your lean and green meal for I dinner. I <laughs> It would be number one free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So number two, paying, you would feel better. Exactly. It costs like hundreds of dollars a month for these tiny processed foods. I remember that was like with isogenic. That I had a friend that was selling it. I'm like, well, I'm going to do it too. And then I'm going to sell it. So it's free for me. This is back in the day. And I was so much hungrier with those shakes. Every time I would have a shake, I'll be starving. Oh, I just thought of the name. Am I okay to share the name? Well, go ahead. It's Octavia, I think, or Optavia. That's, yeah. I don't know how to say it, but yeah, that's, I think that's <laughs> yeah. what it is. But seriously, everybody, your friend who's losing weight on that and don't do it. You don't have to buy the processed food. And I have an, another friend who did it and has been amazingly successful. And she ate out with us one morning and ordered healthy food. And it seemed like she was making it work like without those foods. And I'm like, you look great, but are you going to eat those little processed foods for the rest of your life? And she's like, no, I'll, I'll have to find a way to make it work. And I understand that part. And I'm like, okay. But now she sells the stuff. And I'm like, so maybe she is going to just eat that way the rest of her life. Well, I mean, I just, I I'm feel happy like- for her weight loss, but. People have to be ready for what they're ready for, right? And there would be, if we went back in time to myself pre-intermittent fasting, I would have been 100% all over that. So I don't judge anybody for it because I would have been all over it, right? If I had not found intermittent fasting and lost the weight through intermittent fasting, I would have been, I'd have been selling it too, right? <laughs> yeah. And, but I, I just couldn't stick to, I mean, people say, oh, fasting is so much willpower. No, it isn't. What was willpower was those tiny little fuelings. That takes the will. If you can do that, then intermittent fasting is going to feel like the easiest thing in the world. Exactly. That's what I was trying to get through to our friend working at SeaWorld. She's like, it's just really hard because I get so hungry all day. Then I have to eat like these tiny little things and I have to carry them around in my pouch. And I'm like, just don't eat anything. I promise it'll be easier. (laughs) 
But that just sounds so crazy to people in comparison. I know, I know. You think the little tiny things are making you get through the day when they're making it harder. But, you know, like I said, I am not judging because I would have been all over it because I was trying literally everything. And especially if you had to buy stuff, I was like, yeah, the more (laughs) stuff you have to buy, the better it probably is. Exactly. The more it costs, it must work better. (laughs) Must work great. And then you like invested in all the the junk. And then you're like, well, now I have to eat it because I spent $500 on this stuff. Yes, exactly. When I cleaned out that kitchen, I threw away all that stuff at, at that at one time. I threw away. I was like, I don't even know how much all this cost, but I just tossed it. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting, or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I wish that I knew and do tell people now to just be consistent and be patient with it. And don't try to speed it up because I feel like I could have done so much better years ago if I had just, you know, I did so good in the very beginning for several months. I wasn't worried about weight. I knew I was feeling good and looking better. And then, I don't know, I tried to overcomplicate it. got inside your head. Yep. I just overcomplicated it. So just be consistent with it. Try not to worry about how much you're losing, how fast, and don't overcomplicate it. That's really, really good advice. Well, Ashley, I am so glad you did not cancel. This <laughs> Me a too. really good episode. Thank and everybody you. listening, do not cancel. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, it messes me up because then I can't reschedule somebody else in there. And so I then I get like behind. And <laughs> but second of all, people want to hear about your struggles. I promise. That is what it's not easy every moment of every day, even for me. Sometimes I have to talk myself out of having something that I, I knew I would not feel good if I had done that later. But sometimes I still might say yes to it. But <laughs> struggling is normal and we want to hear about that. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.